Let me introduce you to this episode's sponsor. It's 97th Floor, an award-winning Moz-recommended digital marketing agency located in Lehigh, Utah, and Orange County, California. They're known for driving bottom-line value results for clients like Pluralsight, Dell, and Salesforce. Visit 97thfloor.com to learn more. What up, pimps? <laughs> hey, welcome, Brandon. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, John's out this week. Did you notice that he's not sitting next to you? I thought something felt different. Yeah. So it's just Brandon and I. The show must go on. The show will go on. Let's get into the show. We're going to skip current events and go straight into a follow-up. Last week, we talked about a, YouTube, a potential YouTube hack that Brandon had proposed, and he went back and did his due diligence and found out whether or not the hack worked. So why don't you set up what the hack was and what the findings were? Yes, the hack, the, the idea was uh, with YouTube watch time, one of the biggest metrics that YouTube uses when uh, evaluating the quality of a video, the more watch time, the better. Uh, if a user gets on and watches, you have a 10-minute video you upload to YouTube. If user A gets on there and watches all 10 minutes, that accumulates to... Um, that counts for 10 minutes. That's 10 minutes of, of watch, watch time. time. User B gets on and they watch the video in two times the speed because you can adjust the speed of the video. So he finishes in five minutes. And he watches the entire video, yep. but that would only be five minutes of him actually watching the video. So is YouTube counting 10 minutes or are they counting five minutes? So after adding it all up, would it count as 15 minutes or 20 minutes? Sure. So did you definitively find out Yes. if, double, if 2x speed on YouTube also doubles the watch time? So it's kind of creepy. So this, uh, I, I follow a YouTuber named Daryl Eaves. He's actually located here in Utah. I think yeah, Daryl Eaves. He he runs uh, the Vid Summit every year. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's based out of St. George. But a video went up on his channel today with that headline. Like, uh, you uh, does fast forwarding like affect watch speed? And it was like, what? The it went heck? up today. It went up today. Wow, he must have heard our podcast. And that's like, what I was thinking. Like, maybe he listens turn, or something turned like around that. his. But then I but then I was thinking, well, the podcast didn't actually air go until this Monday morning. night, or well, it was Monday, yeah, it was last night. But people wouldn't have heard it till today. Okay, that's what I'm. I'm so surprised at his turnaround. Wow, Daryl, good job, man. <laughs> Impressive. But Holy then he cow. showed a, a user had asked a question. It got a bunch of upvotes asking the same thing that I asked. So he actually did a case study uh, a little while back. So you actually didn't have to do any work. I didn't have to do the case study. I was thinking about doing it, and then he went ahead and had done it. And his results, he also reached out to YouTube for, an, for a comment. And what they said and what he found both lined up. And the answer is that person who watches the whole video, the whole 10-minute video in five minutes, YouTube only counts five minutes. So they're counting the amount of time that you're in the player. So if you're only in there for two minutes, whether you're fast-forwarding or going slow, doesn't matter. That's whatever reality is. YouTube is counting. So that. convincing your watchers to go in two X does does you no good. In fact, Correct. it hurts you. You don't want your watchers to go in two X because they finish the content in less time, and then you get yes. less watch time. Uh huh. That is correct. Wow. So there's the answer. Don't it's, use uh, that hack. Don't use the hack. It's not a hack. No. Don't no. do it. It might actually backfire on you. All right. Hey, thanks for the follow up. So in this week's episode, we're actually going to be talking about ethics. So for those of you that have been around. And listening to the podcast since November 2015, our very first episode was Ethics in Digital Marketing. 
And since so much time has passed and we've gone through a couple of co-hosts, we wanted to readdress some of these issues. We're older and wiser. So we're going to talk ethics and digital marketing. Let's get to it. say john's gone let's talk ethics <laughs> yeah i like that <laughs> all right so brandon where do you want to start man um because i got some i got some stuff yeah well this is an interesting topic because jacob had brought this up over our team slack channel term called breakage which i had never actually heard of breakage and uh, i read into it and i thought it was interesting and it was funny because i actually had been thinking about this type of of whatever you want to call it, uh, business practices. Uh, are you familiar with the, the app HQ? Trivia? Yeah, I know HQ. Do you play? No, but lots of people at the office play. So HQ, up until like a couple weeks ago, the requirement was, I mean, it's, you know, $2,500 is usually the daily price. So hang on, hang on. You need to explain, explain what HQ is. Okay, if you're one of the few people on earth that don't know what HQ is at this point, it is a free app for, available for Android and iOS Every day at 9 p.m. Eastern or 3 p.m. Eastern uh, on weekdays. So weekdays, there's two, two games a week. Weekends, it's just the night game. Uh, you answer 12 questions. And if you answer all 12 questions correctly, you win the cash prize. You only had 10 seconds to, to pick. It's three questions. I don't think choice. it. So it has a number thing. I don't think those are actual seconds because those go by pretty dang fast. It's 10 seconds. Is what they, but it's ten seconds from when they start reading the question. Okay. So it, once it pops up, you have ten seconds. So and it's it feels live. Faster. And it's, and it's live. live. Everybody's playing at one time. And it's you've got you've got like hundreds of thousands of people playing at one time. Yeah. Now it's like generally over a million. Um, like the night games, you usually get around like one point five million. Uh, the days, I would say, on average, are about eight hundred thousand people playing. So now. There's almost always a winner. If there's ever a chance where someone doesn't win, the cash prize just goes and to the next day, to the next one, so or to the next contest if that's that night or the next uh, afternoon. But uh, now, when you win, usually there's other people winning, and sometimes only three people win, and you're splitting uh, seven hundred bucks among, or you're each getting like seven hundred bucks. Or so a girl 3, in my office, a girl in my office just won like a week ago, and she got twenty nine cents. Twenty. Wow, that was a. Last week, I think they just had like a record number of winners in one contest. It might have been. It could have been that game. Did, have you heard of H Quack? Uh, I've heard there's knockoffs of H Quack. So oh, H Quack oh, is HQ. no, no, no. H Quack is a hack for HQ. What's that? It's a so you have two screens open. You have HQ on your phone or whatever, but mm-hmm. then you have H Quack, which is a web based, you know, web page. Whatever. It's just a web based application that simultaneously as soon as the as soon as the question is asked there's a script that scrapes google so it takes the question exactly how it's stated puts it into google and then does a really quick scrape of just the serp and makes the best guess out of the three options and it tells you out of the three options here is the best option interesting so h quack went down H-quack after last is week. gone yeah it's gone but so it was down but before last week when it was up its interface looked like HQ, the question would come up and then immediately it would show you which of the three questions was right. 
So she was using my the coworker that I work with. She was using HQAC. She got through the twelve questions. She won, and I was thinking, how? Can, obviously, you got twenty eight cents because everyone knows about HQAC. <laughs> That's interesting. So my, the rumor is that HQAC is coming out with something better, and it's invite only. Yep. Uh, Signing up right now. Yeah, there you go. Along with everyone else. That's exactly right. So I don't I, like when I found out about that. I was like, dude, HQ is is broken. Like you can't. Yeah. The the solution I did come up with. I know this is kind of a sidetrack. The solution that they could come up with right now, it's probably text based, right? So they have a scraper that scrapes the application, pulls the exact text. But if they turn that text, the question into an image. It can't get scraped, and you can't do that anymore. It would put these mm. these age quackers. I still don't see out of like business. the quack can't be a hundred percent. It's not a hundred percent. It's not hundred percent. Like, I've noticed like the way they're wording questions. It's very hard. Like which one of these uh, actors did not win an Emmy? Yeah. Like how are you gonna? Yeah, it's not. You have to be super sophisticated. It's, it's, to, it's not. It's not exact. In fact, I don't know what the success rate is, but it's 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 enough that people are winning. Yeah interesting well the reason i i bring this up is because in their terms and this again this is not the case now but up until two weeks ago once it got out and they got a lot of crap for it a you had to have at least twenty dollars in your hq account to cash out right which yeah if you win big that's the first time but for a lot of people they're winning four dollars here and they might never win again the other catch was you also from the first time you win um you have 90 days from that point to accumulate twenty dollars otherwise Cash goes away. Oh, so you this, don't you're, win. you're tying this to breakage. So that that's what I was thinking of. The difference is is breakage involves people giving the company money and then eventually not getting anything back. No one's paying for HQ, so you could like it's not really a unethical what they're doing. I would say, but once that got out, a lot of people were like, "Oh, this whole time HQ was probably not paying out a lot of that cash because a lot of these people are winning in micro little wins." And they're not having the they don't have enough time in the ninety days to win again. The since those stories have come out, now they have adjusted their terms, and you can cash out immediately, even if it's only sixty eight cents. Twenty eight cents. Uh oh, my apologies. Holy cow, Brandon! Rookie mistake. Is your is your uh, computer on silent? Because it was making noise earlier. It is now. <laughs> All right. So we've been talking about breakage, but we haven't actually defined what breakage is. So I have two definitions. One of them is from Wikipedia, so it's it's kind of more of a formal. <laughs> funny Wikipedia page, actually. The breakage one? Yeah. What makes it funny? What makes it funny is I actually read the wiki as well, and uh, it says not to be confused with shrinkage, and then puts accounting in, prefer- uh, in uh, parentheses, which I thought was funny because of the... Seinfeld episode that covers like I'm guarantee if I Google shrinkage, I'm not getting accounting. That's hilarious. Terms you're gonna get a lot of penis terms. <laughs> just to <laughs> warn you right now. <laughs> so, so from Wikipedia, breakage is a term used in telecommunications and accounting or marketing to indicate any type of service which is unused by the customer. A good example would be gift cards or calling cards that have been sold out but never redeemed. Okay. So this is like companies who have an offer where they say, if you buy this product, so here's an example of it. A few weeks ago, I got new tires at Discount Tire, and they said, hey, these tires that you bought are eligible for a rebate, right? So rebates, if you hear rebate, it's probably a part of a breakage campaign. And what that means is you buy these tires at full price, and then you have to go through a series of steps in order to redeem your rebate. 
and they're banking on the fact that you won't get through all the steps in order to redeem that. Therefore, you pay full price. They get full price for the tires, but then they never have to pay out the rebate. So in my case, the rebate was $100. You had to go to a website, fill out a form, print it or something, submit it or mail it. I don't remember. I got my 100 bucks, so I didn't break. But that's the concept of breakage. There are other people in the industry or outside the industry looking in who are a little bit more skeptical and negative about what breakage is and means. And, and uh, we're going to share an example of Capital One, which had a very famous campaign a few years ago that kind of made breakage well-known in, in the public. And uh, when reading about this, you'll hear definitions like this that have to do with breakage. A breakage model is a marketing strategy that uses tricks to get your money and keep it. Not always in ethical or even legal ways. Businesses use them to coerce sales, slash away at marketing and fulfillment costs, and rake in extra profits in a way that doesn't provide uh, actual value for customers' money. So it was this topic that spawned ethics, right? So we've talked about ethics in the past, but we wanted to get very specific in tactics that may or may not be ethical. We're going to talk about breakage. After that, I have a list of different things I want to talk to Brandon about, whether or not they're ethical. We'll, 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 we'll talk a little bit more about kind of ethics, like how we determine that. Because in the past, we've talked about ethics as being like we take, if it's, it's not, it has nothing to do with legality, right? Mm-hmm. So we've talked about this. Ethics is, is more of a philosophy versus science, right? Like, Nobody can determine whether or not something's ethical. It's, it's, it's something, it's, it's an opinion, right? Brandon has opinions on whether or not something's ethical. I have opinions. Sometimes they match up and sometimes they don't. But ethics is a very philosophical debate, which makes it fun to talk about on a podcast. So I had mentioned Capital One. Capital One, a few years ago, was offering a, a promotion to anyone who bought their credit card that you could get up to 100,000 miles, so sky miles, for signing up. Do you remember seeing anything like this? Yes. Like this is... this. I still see that stuff. Yeah, like Alec Baldwin was a guy who was pimping out Capital One's card saying you can win up to... Or not win, but you can earn up to 100,000 miles. In fact, their ad is right here. says get up to 100,000 miles for for getting their card. So let let me attach the breakage model to this because there were, there were plenty of case studies done on this that kind of broke down the breakage points to determine how much the campaign actually cost capital one and how many people, what percentage of people who got the card wanting the hundred thousand miles actually got them. Okay. So this is really interesting. So if you wanted this card, you signed up, right? And there, there are, they make it easy to sign up. That's the thing, right? Hey, just sign up. Here's an application. It's online. You get it in the mail. You know, there are tons of different places you can sign up for a, for a credit card. In this case, Capital One. As soon as you get the card or as soon as you apply and get accepted, here are the steps that you need to take with estimated breakage points at each one or, or percentage of people who break at each step. The first step you have to enter a promo code, okay? So as you're listening and as, you know, close your eyes and just think, you just signed up for a credit card. You just got an email saying, hey, you, you're approved. We'll send you the credit card in the mail. You want the 100,000 miles? Here's step one. Take this promo code. So this promo code is received via email and uh, put it into this website. So you get a link, 
you click the link, you want a promo code, you copy and paste the promo code from your email and put it into the web page. The estimation, the, the, what's estimated is about 10% of people won't even get that far, right? They're not checking their email. They think it's spam. It goes to their spam folder. Whatever it is, they estimate about 10% of everyone. So, so let's actually start. Let's start with an easy number. Let's say 100 people, 100 people signed up for this credit card, okay? We're already 10 down. So now 90 are now eligible because 10 of them did not get the email or didn't um, see it, okay? So that's 10%. Second step, you have to do it within seven days. So you get the email and you have seven days to enter this promo code into this website. So if you got the email, you saw it and procrastinated, if it was over seven days, you're out. That's made another 10%. Another 10% gone. So now we're down to 80. 80 out of the 100 original people who applied and got access to this credit card are now eligible for 100,000 miles. Third, you have to upload a PDF version of your year-end statement for your previous credit card. That's annoying. I bet that's a big chunk. That's a big chunk. That's a big chunk. You lose me there. So a big chunk is like, okay, where do I even access my year-end statement? How do I download it into a PDF format? And where do I upload it in order to to get this approved for this 100,000 miles? Okay. Fourth step. It actually turns out they get you with the up to language. You know that? Mm -hmm. Get up to 100,000 miles. Well, this is the part where most people aren't even eligible because you only get two miles for every $1 spent based on your year-end statement that you uploaded via PDF or Mm. or in in PDF, right? So you have to have spent $50,000 last year on your previous credit card to be eligible for 100,000 miles. Mm, Interesting. Did you spend $50,000 on your credit card? No, I did not. Me neither. How many people do you think spent 100,000 or sorry, $50,000 on their credit card. People who likely are so rich they don't care about the 100,000 miles. True. Promo. Or people who are in so much debt, sure, <laughs> that the that the $1,000 that uh so that that's the that's what this 100,000 miles sky miles equates to is a is is $1,000 in airline travel. So you have $1,000 which will get you I mean, you know, depending on where you're going, you could go two three trips. Yeah. If you're that much in debt, you probably 50, can't afford the you, trips. Well, you probably don't care. You'll just take the thousand bucks and put it on your credit card anyway. Yep. Okay, so two miles for every one dollar spent on your last uh on your year end summary. That's not all. The next step, you have to once you get the credit card, the capital one, you have to spend a thousand dollars within the first ninety days. That one seems a little bit easier, but still, ninety days you gotta spend a thousand dollars or you're out. So imagine. You have to enter the promo code, which is, is, is received by email. You have to register within seven days. Then you have to upload a PDF of your year-end statement. Then you get $2 for every $1 spent last year. Sorry, two miles for every $1 spent last year. If you get through all that, and then you don't even spend $1,000 in the first 90 days, which, I mean, if you're spending a $50,000 within one year, $1,000 in 90 days probably isn't too hard. Yep. Here's the last thing. They only have an allotment of 1 billion miles to give out. So if however many X number of people actually qualify and the first 50 people make up a billion miles, 
uh, and then you apply for the credit card after that, there's no more miles to give. That sucks. So their estimation from start to finish is that around 90% of people who apply for the credit card because of the 100,000 mile benefit don't actually get the benefit. That's 10%. That's 90% breakage. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how it's, that's how it's basically broken down. So when we talk about breakage, we're talking about companies who have marketing tactics that intentionally create friction so that people don't claim the reward or whatever. Let me clarify your definition of breakage. Sure. And that's, what I was, that's one reason I went to Wikipedia because like there's an Investopedia, whatever, yeah. a lot of different places. Is the term breakage referring to the intentional practice of hoping that customers will not use up or is it just the the financial accounting side of uh you know 100 people went through this program and only this like there's this much left over there's bonus money that people for whatever reason left on the table we get to keep it i think the answer is both because i have wikipedia made it sound like it was just pure accounting like the guy bought a hundred dollar gift card only used 98 dollars breakage yeah. Uh, whereas then Investopedia made it sound like these are teams like breakage only applies when that's the intention of the company. So uh, honestly, I think it's both, right? If you were to if you were to defi- if you were to ask someone who knows, hey, what what's that thing called when a company offers a gift card and only a percentage of people claim the gift card and then they save money that way? The answer is breakage. If someone asks someone who knows, hey, what's that marketing tactic where you intentionally are trying to get less people to claim the reward at the end. What's that called? Breakage. I think the right answer is breakage in, in both cases. All right. Right? I just want to yeah, make sure we're on the same page. Okay, so, so if we're clear on that, and, and, and if anyone listening disagrees with that, please write in, inbound at belowthefold.io. Uh, it is interesting. I did read the first part of Investopedia, and I'll just read that real quick. Breakage is a term that refers to revenue gained by retailers through unredeemed gift cards or other prepaid services which are never claimed. In these cases, money for prepaid phone cards, gift cards, or other prepaid services is received by the company, but the company never ends up providing the service or item for which the client paid. Nearly all of this money is considered profit to the company. Accounting uncertainty due to breakage has been a recurring problem throughout the years. So that's Investopedia. So Brandon, that's breakage. There are a couple of examples that we talked about. Capital One, we talked about Discount Tire. There are countless of uh, other companies who have similar models where they use a value proposition like free gift card. Free. Yeah, isn't that nice? Free gift card for the purchase of whatever. And, and they intentionally, and like they, have, they have analysts who say, this, needs, this deal, this promo that you're running it has to have at least 20% breakage or the economics don't work out. Okay. Ethics. Is that ethical? Um, I think I think the ethical line for me uh, gets much harder and more prevalent when when the customer has to give the company money. So there I, for me it's like the rebate thing. Like the customer never had to put anything never had to give the company anything up front financially. And so there is technically no obligation to get it back. And, and the company does provide a, a path. I think you cross that ethical line when it's someone buys a $100 gift card to your store and you intentionally make redeeming that gift card very difficult. 
uh, or unreasonable or unrealistic that they're going to spend that money in that short of period of time. Uh, that's where I think you cross the line. So that's where. So it's, breakage, generally speaking, you can't say one way or the other whether it's ethical because it depends on how breakage is done. Yeah, I mean, as as a company, I think once you're having those discussions of how do we make it so that customers have a hard time redeeming this, then um, you're crossing. I mean, you're definitely crossing the stupid line. Like, why are you trying to? You're literally talking about how do we make our customers have a worse experience with our product. Uh, so that's a discussion. So, so in of yeah, itself. you're right. That's interesting, right? Because you say that crosses a stupid line and, and I'm it's bringing back memories of our last conversation on ethics where that was the discussion was whether it was ethical or whether it was stupid. Usually they're one and the same. We know why we know why they're doing it. We know that they have an analyst saying at least 20% need to do because they want to be, they want the economics to work. They want 20% or 90% of people not to be able to claim this so that they can make more money. But at the same time they can offer it. And if you qualify and if you go through all the steps, we'll give it to you. We'll mm-hmm. give it to you. Like we're not holding, we're not holding back. We're not, we're, we're not making false promises, but the intent, which is something that you've alluded to, their intent is to intentionally make the experience worse in order to make more money. Yep. Which is why everybody hates cable companies. Everybody hates cell phone companies. Everybody hates credit card companies because they all pull, they all play the same game. And, Sure, you're going to get customers, especially if you have a monopoly in that area, but are people going to be like, yes, you have got to sign up for Comcast. It is the best. You don't hear never too heard many that. of those stories. No, I've never heard that. So something that you said kind of spawned um, this thought. I, I read recently on Forbes about what Americans' perception of companies are. Not Sorry, not perception. That's not the right word. What the What their... What, what Americans think businesses' social responsibility is beyond just making profit. And this is interesting. Nine out of ten Americans expect companies to operate in a way that's beyond just making profit, but that they have a social responsibility to uh, a social. Um, uh, let me just read this so that I'm not blown smoke. So it says nine out of 10 Americans expect companies to do more than make a profit. They expect them to operate socially and responsibly and would boycott a company that egregiously violated these expectations. When I read this, I was thinking, holy cow, this is, this is, I mean, this is ethics, right? It's basically saying nine out of 10 Americans expect companies to do more than just make a profit. They expect them to be ethical. Mm -hmm. So the question now is, how but does a company operate ethical, socially and responsibly? Like just because your company isn't making a greater effort to, let's say, be more environmentally friendly or your company isn't making the effort of donating to charities every year, because you're not doing those things, I don't think that means your company is unethical, if that makes sense. No, I, I, don't, think, I don't even think that's what it's saying. I'm saying 9 out of 10 Americans expects companies to do more than just make a profit. They they expect them to be, oh yeah, they're providing ethical. They're providing jobs. That's as like that's enough. I I feel like the the people behind those companies companies are just companies. Like it's a, it's a name, it's an organization, it's on paper. Um, but then you had the people within those companies, and you look at 
two guys like Bill Gates and uh, Steve Jobs. Both billionaires, both ran great companies. Steve Jobs was very stingy with his money, didn't give it away, didn't do charities, whereas Bill Gates is the opposite. And that can reflect on the companies, even though that wasn't an Apple thing, it wasn't a Microsoft thing, but it's the people behind those companies. And so, yeah, I would say maybe it's more accurate to look at the people who are taking that money home from the company. What are they doing with it? Again, whatever they spend it on, I don't care what they spend on. I might be one of the, I might be that one out of nine person that says, I don't care if the company doesn't do anything other than make a profit and provide jobs. Um, and, and, and the people like, I would hope like, it'd be nice if people, uh, did good with their money and companies did good. Um, but I don't have that expectation for me. It's like a bonus. Like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Your company is taking 1% of your profits and donating to charity. That's pretty cool. But I don't then have an expectation that, well, if your company doesn't do that, so you think you think the creating jobs aspect kind of r- makes up for it, or is at least that's the that's their part in in yeah, contributing to society. I guess so. Yeah, I mean that's what that's the point of a business is to provide income for people. Okay, and then so, you, I think people a lot of times use charity as marketing tactics. Yeah, they're giving back, and that's great, but they also pimp it out to let people know like, Hey, we're a good company. And so maybe that's what's created this expectation because so many, like if nine out of 10 companies are doing that, then yeah, we kind of live in a market where if you're not giving back to charities or doing good things with the money, people don't want to give their dollar bills to you. And if that's the way the market is, and that's the way the market is, but, uh, and, and maybe we're getting to that point now where everybody has to be in the charity game. Otherwise your company is looked at as greedy and, no one wants to give you their money. And if people want to boycott you, sure, that's great. That's fine. That's <laughs> yeah. America. Yeah, they can do that. So coming back to ethics, how about we run down a list of practices that can sometimes be considered unethical? Let's do it. All right. So the first one is misleading advertising. Okay. I'm all about that. So, so here's an example. Nutella. You know Nutella? Oh my gosh. Yes. What is Nutella? Nutella is the hazelnut chocolate spread. Okay. Yes. So they ran some advertising that uh, basically said Nutella is part of a nutritious breakfast for children. And then they got sued. And they were forced to reimburse up to $20 to anyone who bought Nutella products for that specific reason. So Nutella, which is a hazelnut chocolate spread, right? Yeah. Sweet treat. Typically, you wouldn't think of that as being healthy. What do you think ethically? Obviously, I mean, they were sued and they lost. So, I mean, there's a legal thing there. But... Ethically, misleading advertising, and we can go back to the cigarette days when they claimed cigarettes were healthy. Mm-hmm. They misled people in order to buy their product. Uh, yeah, I mean, if that was the intention, again, ethics all comes back, to, in my mind, to intention. So if there was a marketing team that got around and said, hey, what if we spun it in a way that shows that Nutella is healthy for kids? Uh, and, and we know that's not necessarily the case, but could we spin it this way? If once you're having that conversation, then you're, you're kind of crossing that. Again, you're, you might not be doing anything illegal, although in this case, 
maybe so they do you were. Th- do you think ignorance saves people from being unethical? If they, if, if a team sat around and was like, look, we legitimately have a healthy product here, but we feel here's the, here's the data we have, here's the ingredients, and we can argue uh, with a straight face that this is a healthy part of the breakfast, then sure. What if, if they go on and they're wrong, then yeah, they're all idiots, but I don't think they did anything ethic- ethically wrong. But yeah, ignorance, I think, does play a part with the ethical conversation. At what, I mean, I, I but I, yeah, overall, I do. No, no, no. I, I feel like I feel like I, I can get on board with that ignorance. Right? I mean, uh, what I can't wrap my mind around is anyone, especially a company as big as Nutella, thinking that a chocolate spread is healthy for children for breakfast. Sure, and I think in their so, case, so, it probably was an ethical issue. You think that it was intentional? Where I don't like, think they were all let's sitting, put healthy on the. On sure, the, I think they were looking for ways of like. What could, oh, there's peanut butter, and peanut butter itself is a good ingredient, so let's market it that so, way. Yeah. Hey. And you're stretching the truth. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a Big Mac. It's got lettuce. It's got tomatoes. Sure. This is a healthy option for, but I think, for lunch. I think food companies in general, like if they're getting sued for that, then, I mean, I look at yogurts, for example. The whole low-fat the whole low fat thing, like America is brainwashed to think that fat is what makes you fat. When in all reality, you can see why they would think that, though, right? Sure, it's it's, but it's, it's a marketing the, thing. It's the word. It's, it's the in word. the word. And but uh, but companies play that up all the time. Low fat uh, yogurt. Low fat, no fat, zero fat. Which then you can get that thing. Oh, if I get this, it's it's much healthier. But what you don't realize is that low fat yogurt. When you actually look at it, holy crap! They put it's a lot of sugar. sugar in there to make it taste good to make up for the fat and the sugar. When you look at America's sugar consumption. Uh, America's obesity also goes up with America's sugar consumption. So again, there's kind of that. I think they know like they're not they're not lying. It is low fat or it is non fat, but they're marketing it in a way as this is healthy because it's low fat, and people buy into it. So Do you think that's I think ethical? An, I think there's. I don't think it's. I think they're crossing ethical boundaries. Saying so, you're saying by by claiming that this is zero fat, low fat, whatever it is. They're intentionally trying to get people to think that it's healthier when it's not. Sure. They're really playing up a very pointless ingredient. So if YoPlay hired you to be over all their marketing, would you stop that practice? I don't know. At the same time, like, you also can't take responsibility for America's stupidity. Um, I think maybe, I don't know, it's, it's tough. Again, it's a so, blurry line. So that, that I, I think that's a perfect example of what people are talking about, about companies having a responsibility, a social responsibility to, like you said, it's like companies don't, it's not their responsibility to educate dumb people. Yes. Like I do not think it's Facebook's responsibility to filter out fake news and whatnot. A lot of people are on their backs. It's like Facebook is a platform. They're an open platform. And if there's a lot of stupid people on there posting stupid things, then that's just a reflection of what society is. I don't think Facebook, Facebook has a business obligation to make sure that their platform is doing good and serving the right things. But there is no moral, there's no legal obligation in my mind for Facebook to say, we've got to make sure that we're uh, filtering this out because that's the ethical thing to do. It's the smart business thing to do, but there's no ethic. So if we, ethics behind if it. We, and I think that applies in these cases as well. If we were to take the company out and you're just talking human beings, right? Person to person, someone on the street, a human do you think that they should be obligated to have a social responsibility to take care of the human race? Um, 
So, so someone's walking down the street. They see someone across the street getting mugged. Yes. Do they have a responsibility to do something about that? I think there's, yeah, there's the ethical and social side, but there should never be any, like, I don't believe in, like, a regulation or a, or a legal obligation to be like, you have to help in this situation. I think as a person, like, yeah, I think that exists. But, again, that I guess that then goes back to your belief of are humans born with just natural good intent and we know good from evil. So what that, is good. Does that mean evil? you're against the good Samaritan laws that may exist? Um, if someone's getting I'm mugged saying, and you walk by and a policeman sees you just walk on, but knows that you knew that was happening and busts you. You don't like that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. How, I don't have enough yeah, informational laws to make a but, comment. But the, re- but the reason I bring up this person thing is, I agree. I think I think we as people, as human beings, have a responsibility to each other. Yes. But I also think that businesses are made up of people. Yep. So when people are are running businesses, why are why all of a sudden are they no longer responsible to other humans? I get that they need to make a bottom like they have they have their company to take care of and they need to be profitable and they can do that. But why all of a sudden is a person socially responsible to another human being when they're walking on the street, but you start a business and all of a sudden you are now exempt? Why are you now exempt from taking care of other human beings just because you have an LLC after your, after your name? Um, well, I'm not saying you are exempt. Well, you're saying Facebook. I, I mean, you're right. Facebook, fake news. I mean, that's kind of a dumb, a dumb example. I mean, when you when you gave it, it was a perfect example, but in my case, if there's a company like like Yoplait, right, mm-hmm. where Yoplait, their marketing tactics are talking specifically about uh, fat free, and everyone uh, like mar- we're talking about them deceiving people. You're yep. you're you're hyping up fat free. Fat free doesn't matter. Fat free, who cares? Is it sugar free? Right. So you're saying they're not obligated to n- stop doing that because it's making them money. And they're not responsible for the stupidity of others. And I'm saying, why not? Like, as a, as a human, if you see someone who's just, like, gorging on sugar, you know, your friend or family yeah. member or whatever, uh, I mean, that's, an, that's intervention time. You're like, hey, you know, something's wrong. We need to do something about this. But all of a sudden, it's a company. It's like, oh, it's a company. they got to make money. Like, mm-hmm. where's the line? Exempt. At what point is YoPlay exempt from being socially responsible and uh, using better marketing tactics? Well, here's the thing. Um, I mean, the, the, the capitalist, the, the libertarian in me says, yo play can do whatever they want. They want to pimp out the fat free and talk about commercials of people saying, yeah, fat free. I feel better or whatnot. Uh, so be it. Um, I think America and, and the world can cast their votes with their dollar bills. And so if they look at yo plays practices and say, oh, I don't want to buy yo play like McDonald's is generally not a healthy place to go. But there's a lot of people who enjoy eating McDonald's and they have every right to do so. McDonald's does do, I I never see McDonald's like market the Big Mac as a healthy option. And I think McDonald's is generally very ethical in their marketing. They do have fresh, uh, healthy plates, which they market. Um, But then they also, hey, for you guys who don't care about health, we've got these as well. I think think this, this question could be broken down into something very simple. Is it ethical? to market based on the ignorance of the consumer. So consumers far and wide, a majority don't understand the whole fat free thing. 
Yep. So they market to that. They say, most people think fat is what makes them fat. So we're going to say this is fat free. Is it ethical to have marketing messages that intentionally play off of the ignorance of the masses? I think the simple answer is no, it is not ethical. Okay. Okay, so that was... Uh, but I get why they do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. They got every, I think everyone <laughs> gets why they do it. So that was misleading advertising. The second thing, which is a little bit closer to home, Black Hat Link Building. It's an interesting one. Because, in fact, I think we talked about this the first time through, and we kept talking about how it's against Google guidelines, as if Google determines what's ethical and what's not. Mm-hmm. So Define, for those who don't know... What Black link building hat. is or Black Black Hat link building? Spamming people's comment sections, forum threads, uh, hacking websites in order to uh, put one of your links in without them knowing. Okay, yes. I'm glad you said that because in my mind I was thinking negative SEO, um, which I guess is another form of we, Yeah, we could, we could pull stuff. that in. We could pull that in. Um, yeah, Black Hat link building. I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I would have started arguing <laughs> a whole different thing. Link building uh, against Google's terms. Yeah, I would say um, I, I don't think there's anything unethical about black hat link building. Even um, hacking someone's website? Uh, no, I, as long as you're not infringing on someone else's property um, or I, I think it's unethical to uh, promote yourself as like a white hat link builder and, and tell your client you're going to do okay. these things, but then behind the scenes do like your client like if you fully disclose like hey i'm gonna do some shady stuff my case studies show it's gonna work um but this is technically against google's guidelines like you're open about it you're very open about it if the company wants it then great no one's breaking any ethical guidelines but when you're saying yeah we're gonna uh do this we're gonna get you up there and um this is totally okay with what google's doing then you start doing a bunch of black hat stuff that's, I believe, an unethical relationship that you have, and that, that client is not going to be pleased and most likely will fire you when they find out. So really no one wins in the long game. But, yeah, like Google's just a business, and they have their algorithm. And if you figure out how to game it, there's nothing unethical about that. I think it's unethical once you're purposely trying to hurt and diminish the brand of other companies, which I guess that's where negative SEO okay. comes so in. So that's a good transition. So you think negative SEO is unethical? I think so, yeah. I mean, it's no different than uh, if, if I have my competitor across the street who sells hamburgers, and I'm selling hamburgers here, and then I put up a billboard on I-15 with some offensive message, and then I try to brand it as that company. A, that's illegal, um, and B, that's unethical, the lines, it's just not really not legal because there's no regulations online. But if if link building and, and negative SEO was as big and public and known about as billboards, I'm sure eventually there would be regulation around not ch- falsely representing brands because that's essentially what you're doing is you're pointing links intentionally to these websites, trying to trick Google into thinking that that company is doing a lot of black hat not necessarily. What if, what if you're doing negative SEO in a way that promotes other results ahead of your competition? Well, that's just link building. Yeah. No, I get that. But it's, it's, it's pushing them off the first page. It's, it's, it's taking away business that they otherwise would have had. No, I want to say like that's – if I spend uh, – if I do a better job at marketing 
and by a result, more people are eating my hamburgers, not theirs. They're eventually going to go out of business, but it was because I was marketing my business. I wasn't uh, intentionally trying to harm their name by putting out false information about how they make their burgers or trying to convince government regulations or Google that they're doing things against guidelines. Do you think it's okay to fight unethicalness with unethicalness? That's a good question. We've had that conversation before. So with, uh, websites like what's the, some of the scam like ripoff report, ripoff report where they essentially intentionally get bad stuff posted about you. And then they essentially, or I guess you could say blackmail you. They extort you extortion. There's the right word. Um, Hey, $200,000. If you want this removed, that's, um, so, so let's go back to your real world offline example of hamburger shack. Okay. What if the guy across the street was selling hamburgers and he mixed cockroaches into the meat and he was, uh, you know, he just like, it was just a bunch of nasty stuff and, and you knew about it, but he wasn't marketing it. And, uh, he was, and he was, let's say he was winning. Let's say his are tastier because he's got cockroach meat in it. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the, like the, the health department, the, the food department, whatever they need to know, but people need to know about this. And you just lose, 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 lose. He's building his business. He's building his business. Would you then think that it's okay to do like negative SEO on him? Um, to put him out of business because he's doing everyone a disservice. I would run campaigns that highlight that they use cockroaches in their burgers. And then that would be, I mean, I wouldn't go out and like try to imitate their brand and post stuff. Like I would make it about that. Wendy's is doing the exact same thing right now to McDonald's highlighting the fact that McDonald's uses frozen beef and that Wendy's is always fresh, fresh beef every day. So they are, they, wow, McDonald's is frozen beef. Do people even know that they're eating frozen beef in the morning? Why is that even a thing? Like who cares if it's frozen? Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> if you're eating at McDonald's, like, I mean, I eat McDonald's. I don't care that it's frozen. All I know is I buy it. It's cheap. It tastes good when it goes down. <laughs> End of story. Um, whereas Wendy's, but I'm sure that affects people who are like, dang, maybe I'll go to Wendy's. It's, Maybe that's healthier because it's fresh, or maybe it does taste better there. But that's I think that's a very similar scenario, a real-world case where they're highlighting. But, yeah, if I found out that a business was doing something that I feel if the public found out about it, uh, then I would go after them openly, not yeah, even but trying to hide. What saying, you just described was, was fine, right? You just, like, you tell people that, that they have cockroaches in their meat. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking if you think it's okay to do something that you would normally think is unethical, like run a billboard, defaming them, would, would you think that that's okay if the company you are taking down is, is also a sham? unethical? I would say you are, I'd say that would be unethical. So you, you would not do that? The company that's making, putting cockroaches in their burgers, if I went after them in a different way, that would be unethical in other terms. It's still unethical. It's not unethical for me to... So you don't want to stoop down to their level. I would take a big billboard and say, want cockroaches in your burgers? You might want to go to these guys. Because I'm not saying anything false about the company. I'm just highlighting that, hey, they got cockroaches in their burgers. And then you get sued because you can't prove it. Well, I wouldn't run the campaign unless I could prove it. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay, so that's link building. That's negative SEO. Let me run through a couple more here. Contacting people without consent. Ooh. So you send an email. You send an email to people who don't want it. You hearing that noise? Yeah, I think it's this. Uh, 
I don't think yet. I don't think it'll show up. Okay. Contacting people without them knowing is it ethical? So you're saying, for example, I obtain an email list of a thousand people who never complied and said that I would like you to email me, and I reach out to them. You're saying on an individual scale, like, hey, Seth Godin, I really loved your presentation. No, we're talking mass. Mass. Um, I mean, if you're in, if you're emailing someone individually, I think that that falls outside of like the Can Spam Act, for example. Sure. I mean, I, I guess in this point, if it's legal, it's not unethical. I feel like the web is much more of a wild, wild west still, even though it is has certain regulations and whatnot. Um, I don't think it's again. I don't think it's unethical. Is it uh, frowned upon by users, and do they hate it? Is it annoying? Yeah. Just but users also hate being hit up on Facebook all the time with ads. You're not doing anything unethical, but uh, you're certainly not winning them over to like your business anymore. So okay. it's one of those areas where it's it is stupid. Is it ethical? Uh, I don't know. If it breaks the can spam laws, then yeah, those are laws that are in place, and you're breaking them knowingly. So you think breaking laws, no matter what, is unethical? Sure. There's a lot of laws. That so you, you go may thirty and a twenty-five. With. That's not ethical. Sure. Like, I hate how some roads have a speed limit, um, but if I was going 10 over and I got pulled over and ticketed, I would not say, well, that's unethical of the city to do that. It's hmm. like I knew and I agreed when yeah. I get my driver's license that I would obey the rules and the laws, and if I break those, that's my responsibility. If I, and if I'm against it, then I'll take it the proper channels, go to city council and try to get the speed limit raised and get votes and whatnot. There's a system in place for us to... Um, change those. We don't have that system necessarily with the wild west of the internet because there, for for the most part, there are no laws and regulations behind it. Okay, insensitive controversy. So this is like insensitive. Uh, yeah, a recent example is when Pepsi made that video with Kylie Jenner. Yep. Right. And giving a uh, Pepsi to the police officers. Giving a Pepsi to the police officers. This thing was supposed to. And you it know, resembled a uh, kind of a Black Lives Matter. Yeah, Black Lives Matter protest is what yes. they were doing. They were. Tr- they didn't I think say it, but they implied. I'm right because it was during the same time. Visualizations so, were similar. So when companies intentionally uh, use recent controversy to exploit or, or kind of product placement within sensitive subjects or sen- sensitive things? Um, stupid, often, yes. Uh, again, advertise, like marketing is marketing. Like if you did a campaign and people thought it was stupid, then that campaign failed. Um, I don't think what Pepsi did was unethical by any means. They were just trying to hop on something that was trendy. For the most part, many in the public hated it. And so, therefore, it was a it was looked at as a failed uh, campaign. So, even, I, I think I think in this case, it's like you talk about intent, right? There was the case of uh, the Las Vegas. There was some Las Vegas club or something that, as soon as that shooting happened, they they hopped on the the hashtag Vegas Vegas Strong. Yeah, Vegas Strong. You remember this? I think it was MGM, right? They had some club or something like that, and they they oh, ran the this commercial. video. Yeah, it was, you know what it I'm was, talking about? It was MGM. Yeah, we've talked about this on the show where they kind of just hop on 
this very sensitive hashtag yeah, but trying the, to promote. MGM was like involved in the incident. I know. Isn't that crazy? And so I think they get a break that people didn't give them. If it was someone else like unrelated to the incident hopping on trying to profit from that attention. But MGM was trying to make an attempt of something tragic happened. It happened in one of our hotels, unfortunately. But that doesn't change the fake that doesn't change the fact that Vegas is a fun and safe place to come. So we need to move past this. We are Vegas strong. We move forward. We're not going to sit back and be a bunch of wusses uh, for the rest. We're not going to let this guy win. I think that's the message that MGM was trying to get across. A lot of people, I think, I don't even think it was a lot of people. I think it was a few people got offended. And those are the few people who happen to have the power of a publication. I don't think that makes uh, MGM's efforts unethical. Okay. So, but if anyone else had done something like that, where they're hopping on the Vegas Strong hashtag, sure. have nothing to do with it. And it's like just a strip like, club got on there and was like, Vegas Strong. It's like, okay. <laughs> All right. So, so you don't think that's ethical? Uh, I think that's when you're crossing the ethical boundaries. Like okay. MGM, as, as a lot of people would disagree, but MGM was a bit of a victim in that attack as well. Oh, totally. They, Obviously not in the way that the, you know people were killed and whatnot, but so is they M- took is, a loss. Is Mandalay Bay under MGM? Yes. Okay, They're so MGM yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Are you kidding? They like shut down half the floor or something. Yeah, they lost a lot of money from it. And so, yeah. Now they casinos. can't even rent out the space. That's true. Although I, th- I did just hear that they're actually going to be opening up the 32nd floor again, but just that room will not exist anymore. But there was talks that they were just going to close the floor completely. Although now I believe there are, you have to go up with an armed guard on the elevators there. Cause they also don't want like looky who's who just want to go like, let's go to the 32nd floor. And you don't think if, enough people have, or enough time has passed where people aren't interested in that. Oh, I think people are, I mean, it's, it's still to date the biggest mass shooting in us history. So there's a bit of a historical site, there were something so you're gonna have all these like crazy so there's an armed guard on the elevator that's what i've read now like basically there's always someone who's on the elevator going up i think they do that more as like a pr thing like you're safe at mandalay bay like we've got a guy who's armed on the Hmm. elevator with you all right so the last one here actually i have two more uh emotional exploitation so this is like there are a lot of examples of of advertisements using tragic events like 9-11 right? Where, uh, as one example, there was a cigarette company or sorry, not a cigarette company, a company, uh, dang, what were they were against cigarettes? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Uh, kind of. So it's, would you the say ASH. Like fitness companies do this? I don't know. Kind of exploit the emotion that you have of like, I'm overweight. I feel crappy with myself and they exploit that pain that you feel that overweight people feel and say look feel like you know what you're feeling right there we're gonna change that would you consider that exploiting emotions uh yeah i would but i also in in some cases it's okay right it's like hey you're not living a healthy lifestyle let us help you live a healthy lifestyle it's like fat shaming i guess is fat shaming the trendy word to call it so the example i was thinking of is that a ASH, which is the Action on Smoking and Health, a nonprofit action committee, right? These are the people who who collect and gather up money and and create ads to generate awareness around why something is bad. Well, they took two cigarettes and put them next to each other and made them look like the Twin Towers, right? So, like, the ash was, I mean, it looks like Twin Towers with the smoke coming up. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's one example. There have been many examples of companies who have 
utilize something tragic like that, playing off of the emotions of others to either get attention or sell a product. Another example is C-O-B-I-S-I-T or Cobis IT Security Solutions was a company and they had a a very close-up picture of a um, microchip or a motherboard and then they, they designed the chips on the motherboard to look like buildings surrounding the Twin Towers. So they had chips kind of stacked up to look like the Twin Towers and then they talked about uh, how if you're not using our product, you're vulnerable to attack. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, if you have an opinion or, or, or whether or not it's ethical I to play the, off of the emotions of others. My knee off jerk of reaction is that, uh, it's a, when you're dealing with the emotional, like pulling, I mean, a lot of marketing is tapping into emotions, whether it's you're tapping into anger people have, and you're trying to make change, uh, tapping into uh, nostalgic feelings. I mean, I think a lot of Stranger Things, for example, a lot of their marketing efforts, they really focus on the nostalgic emotions of that the people 80s. have. Even if it has nothing to do with the show itself, they know that let's pull some of those 80s nostalgic feelings people have, and that's going to get them to eventually go and watch Stranger Things. Nothing unethical there. So, um, I don't know. It's tough. I, I think, yeah, I, I would look at that campaign. If that was pitched in a company that I had say and i would say uh we're a computer chip company or, or we're a cybersecurity, and we're we're kind of exploiting what happened in on 9-11 to sell a product i don't think that's going to go over it's definitely across the stupid line in my book um ethical again blurred line all right so you think it's okay i lean towards unethical in that when you're using a a tragedy such as that i don't think it's unethical that six uh, what do you call it? Gold's Gym uh, shows like, here's how you're fat ass. You need to go to our gym. <laughs> like, no, I got to mark this as explicit. Come on. <laughs> Dang it. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Blur, okay. Blur that one out. But yeah, I, 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 it's case by case. Yep. I agree. Okay. The last one before we close out the show, dark patterns. Do you think I using dark, pat- dark patterns? Yeah. You need a refresh. Um, give me a, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I would, I would summarize it, but I don't know how to put it in a sentence or two. So dark patterns are intent, uh, design elements on a web page that intentionally mislead the user as an example. And, and many of you probably have experienced this. You have a website and a pop-up. There's a pop-up that shows up and there's always a little X right in one of the corners. You click the X and the pop-up disappears and you continue your, experience on this website a dark pattern in this in this example could be that the x itself is a link that takes you to another page for you to sign up or whatever right so it's deceiving you click on the x expecting it to close the window but it takes you somewhere else they tricked you into clicking the x in order to get you to do something that you otherwise would not have done wasn't there an example with papa john's the papa john's app when you went to, oh, I think it was, if you ordered something that was like the special, you would get charged full price. But if you actually went to the specials tab and then ordered the special that way, you get the discounted price. I guess you could also put this in a uh, example of 
you go to McDonald's and order a breakfast sandwich, a hash brown, a large drink, and they ring you up individually for each item. When if you just said, I'll take I, a number three, can I get the number three? You get the 30 cent discount ethical or non-ethical. I've had that discussion many times. Okay. So I, I don't think there's an exact coral or uh, uh, not exact, <laughs> but somewhat uh, of the same. But I think my answer was, I'll have to go back and listen to that dark patterns episode. But I think my, my, I lean towards not unethical. Really? If I have a pop-up and everyone's used to the X being in the top right corner and I make the X at the bottom left corner. No, that's not what I'm saying. But that's one no, dark put, pattern. Put, no, it's not. Because I purposely made it so that it's very difficult for them to find. Very difficult for them to take like one microsecond to find the X at the bottom right instead of the, the top right. But that is an element of dark patterns. I don't even think that's an element of dark pattern because if someone sees that X, they think it's going to close it. They click it and it closes it. That's not, it's not, it's not tricking them into doing something that they wouldn't otherwise do or taking them somewhere they wouldn't otherwise go. Um, I'm going to say non-ethical or sorry, I'm going to say it is ethical, uh, but horrible for UX. Uh, I, I disagree, man. I don't think that's ethical to trick people because the intent going back to your own so definition, give me, the, give me the specific example again, a pop-up shows up. Okay. There's an X in the top, right? the designer or the webmaster intentionally turns that into a link to take him to some other place. Oh yeah. And windows did this with uh, windows did forcing it too. people to upgrade. That's right. I, I still don't think that, I don't think there's any ethical obligation. Like there's no law or rule that says you have well, to ethics have nothing to do with laws, but it's you. It's a UX sin. Absolutely. And they're going to have a bad experience. They're going to be like F this company. Uh, I'm not going so, back there. So again, so they pay for to it your credit. Way. To your credit, they're not paying any money, so they're not losing money. They're just losing time, which to some people is more valuable than money. So you don't think it's unethical? I think as a UX designer, I think they have their own set of codes, their ethic, their code of ethics, and I, I personally think that it's not ethical to trick someone into doing something that they otherwise wouldn't have done based on common knowledge, like an X in the top right or bottom right of an interstitial. I don't see how your example is different than my example, though. From moving the X? Yeah. Really? Because the X is typically like it's... Yeah, the, the X, it doesn't matter where it goes. It has There's a common understanding that when you click the X, the, the pop-up goes away. So yeah. if you put the X in the top right or in the bottom right or in the bottom left or the top left well, and they click on it. There's a understanding that the X is in the top right. It's where everyone's mouse grabbed. Whoa, where the heck is it? Oh, it's down here. That's annoying. No, okay. That, that's annoying, but I don't think that's a dark pattern. You're not, you're not tricking people into doing something or taking someone somewhere else. That's like, really? You don't see, uh, you maybe. don't see the difference there? Know. I think it's a blurred line. I I still don't think they crossed like a moral or ethical line in society. In society. Since when did we stipulate that it has to be some moral line in society? When you say UX ethics, then sure, I can get behind that. All right. All right. For anyone uh, interested in learning more about dark patterns, you can go to darkpatterns.org. It's a a collection of user-generated or submitted examples of dark patterns. Uh, it's actually a pretty cool place. Go check it out. That's the end of the show. Digital marketing ethics. If you disagree with anything we've said, we encourage you to make it known. 
get in touch with us inbound at belowthefold.io. If you've enjoyed this episode, we invite you sincerely to leave a positive review on iTunes. You can reach out to us with any topic ideas. If you want an opportunity to come on the show or nominate someone else you think would be good on the show, get in touch with us. Our email again is inbound at belowthefold.io. That's it, folks. Peace out, pimps.